against the machines. This is a race with the machines. From quantum physics to poetry, from neuroscience to geography, from philosophy to immersive realities, Building 21 is a space where one can explore, play with, manipulate, bend, break, and probe the multifaceted dimensions of ideas, knowledge, and thinking. Listen into the introduction of the Radical Futures Project, presented as an interview with project co-lead, Damien Erteca and Professor Olivier Dians, and hosted by Rebecca Brasso. Professor Dians details the history and founding of McGill University's Building 21, and the motivation behind the Radical Futures Initiative. Through guided discussion with students, faculty, and visiting scholars, as well as multimedia productions, Radical Futures aims to reimagine the future not as a static ground towards which we fall, but rather as a field of potential, constrained only by our modes of thought and action. All right, Rebecca, we're in your capable hands. Okay, welcome to the table. Hello. Olivier Hello. and Damien. So I'd like to start with asking you both a little, if you could speak a little bit about who you are. Present yourselves. So my name is Olivier Diens. I'm right now my full professor in the Department of um, Literature de Langue Française, Traduction et Création. Name, the name changed uh, recently. And uh, it's funny because a friend of mine uh, recently said, you're a full professor. Do you guys have half professors at McGill? And I thought that was actually a funny, funny thing. I mean, arguably, <laughs> yes. There are half, half professors at McGill. <laughs> Okay, is this going to be <laughs> high? <laughs> so uh, I used to be deputy provo for uh, student life and learning. That's how I came to McGill from Concordia University. Uh, my area of uh, specialization is uh, the impact of technology on representation and on human and on human beings. Uh, and I'm also very much interested in uh, the future of education, the radical future of education. And uh, as an aside, uh, because that's also part of the things I do. Uh, poetry is also something I'm really interested in that I do quite a bit of and that the, the, the sort of translation from poetry to a virtual world and what does it mean when you translate, liberally translate a poem into a virtual world. So in a nutshell, that's me. Okay. And Damien? Yeah, I'm an undergrad here in um, McGill University. I'm just wrapping up a bachelor's in anthropology and philosophy. Um, I've uh, worked for and with B21 for, I guess, two years now. And so I'm helping um, Olivier with his project, which is called Radical Futures. And um, I think he's going to introduce that in a second. Um, well, I guess I was going to ask you what you do, but maybe you could introduce B21 and what this project is. Uh, okay, so uh, when I when I was uh, Deputy Provo, and, and it's, been, it's been a sort of an obsession of mine for a long time, it, but it, it just uh, is sort of crystallized when I when I was deputy provo in, in charge of student life and learning. So the main question for me is, uh, is our education system flexible, creative, uh, interesting enough to help young people, such as both of you, uh, to address, solve uh, the today's problems and tomorrow's problems, and also thrive in a, uh, in a, in a very difficult 
world, one that will become more and more complex and more and more challenging as the years go by. Mm -hmm. And when you look at uh, what the uh, outside world is doing, when I mean the outside world, outside of the walls of academia, if you look at, uh, you know, GAFA, the Google, the Apples, uh, Facebook and Amazons of this world, and you see what they do and the sort of the things they push f uh, forth, um, and even people like Elon Musk uh, and all the, his projects, and you wonder, you know, are we providing something that's uh, interesting enough and really exciting enough and that addresses mm -hmm. today's problems in our education system? Mm -hmm. So right now, we're, you know, we're, we, uh, um, higher education, education in general, uh, is, is doing pretty well because we have a monopoly. Uh, we... Um, uh, we are the only ones providing uh, accreditations, diplomas, degrees, but these things can change can change quite quickly. Uh, Kodak had his best year in uh, 1997. Uh, the industry, the music industry, with records and CDs at that point, had its most productive and you know uh, best year they ever had in 2000. And these things change almost overnight. So, in a nutshell, I was wondering whether you know our education system was 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 doing the right thing or whether it was slowly dying without no one uh, realizing it. And I wanted to try something else. So I said, let's, uh, let's create something outside of the university walls, outside of its uh, a degree and credits and course structure, because, you know, this is, this is, this has some pull and tends to pull things into a norm and whether we can try something uh, out there a bit crazy, a bit, a bit also, um, a bit inspired by Google X and the idea of, you know, the moonshot and crazy ideas. And um, uh, something came up. Uh, we, uh, because it was also one of the things I was responsible for were the residences and uh, a space opened up, and uh, which is used to be an apartment. and very That's where we are right now. It's a very nice, about 1,500 square feet uh, large apartment. It opened up and I said, okay, let's use this space and create this thing called Building 21, which is based on, uh, which is, uh, based on uh, MIT's Building 20, which is more of a, it's more of a, you know, it's more of a historical uh, clan d'oeil, plus 21 <laughs> for 21 for 21st century. And I've asked Anita Parmar to, you know, uh, make it happen, uh, which she did, and she created this amazing culture. Uh, and uh, that's where we are right now in this place where we're all trying to figure out what is the best way to learn? What's the most interesting, uh, the most uh, um, exciting way to learn? And Radical Futures is part of that. So could you both maybe dive into this idea of Radical Futures? What is it going to look like? What is the project? How is the project going to take form this year? Right, so we're doing a few things. So Radical Futures, I, I started working with Olivier on it uh, the end of last semester. So we, we started with a reading list. I read um, a list of books that Olivier provided. How many of, books? Oh, I wanted five or six around. Okay. Yeah, okay. something like that. And then there was a, there was several articles as well. Um, Damon can read oh. as many books as I Voracious. Can yeah, so that's not a problem. <laughs> And so we kind of talked about it over the summer. And, and what we've um, kind of landed on is that there's going to be several things happening this semester. One is a series of interviews that we're going to be recording with um, interesting people, some authors that Olivia knows, um, possibly some professors that I think might have some interesting things to say that I've encountered in my classes. And those will be recorded here and then released in the podcast format, the same way that um, we release the interviews with, say, the Blue Fellows on the website. Mm -hmm. Um, we're also modeling, uh, something after Theoria. So Theoria was a, um, kind of open night of discussion that happened on a monthly basis last year at Building 21. And so inspired from that, we're doing, uh, what we're simply calling the Radical Future Series. 
Um, the first one is on October 2nd uh, at 5.37. If this comes out before then, this is the plug, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, but we're, we're discussing specific themes. So the first one is um, our algorithms, uh, the new public intellectuals, right? So um, we're really kind of interested in bringing people together from different disciplines, you know, students, graduate students, perhaps professors, people outside of academia, anyone who's willing to come. And they're going to be kind of grappling with the issue that's presented in sort of like a three-minute sort of pitch, so to speak. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how that goes. So, so, so the idea be behind Radical Futures, which... So I was going to ask you, you know, you've titled this project yeah. Radical Futures, but, but what does that mean? Well, the point is, you know, some of the impetus behind this is that uh, we tend to, we all tend, all of us, myself included, we tend to see the future as this thing, this land that will eventually reach. It's, it's, almost, it's almost concrete, right? And this land is exciting and scary at the same time, and you barely see it at, at on the horizon. But then you, and you think about it a bit more, you think like, well, the future is only what we actualize. It's only our projects, that, that the things we do that makes the future happen. It's not something that's imposed on us. It's a, a, a million little initiatives, mm. billion little initiatives here and there that actually are creating the future. Mm. So this fear we have of that future, of that dystopian future of you know a world where you know, the environment is destroyed and you know all this narrative, it is it is a one of the possible futures. But there's hundreds and millions of possible future it's a bit like you know quantum theory nothing everything is possible until it uh, until it collapses into a possibility mm. and what damien and i want to do is to say okay so we can actually sort of create that future by our our own by doing things by proposing solutions by exploring new ways instead of waiting for that future to happen we actually want by looking forward we want to be able to say okay here's we're it's, it's as if we're pushing the future in a direction instead of letting it push us into a direction we're not comfortable with. So it's really the idea of creating, creating the possible, creating the adjacent possible, creating the impossible, creating all of these things instead of waiting for them to happen to us. So really the idea is when we say radical is that we want to explore things from a very, very different perspective. We want to ask questions that are not usually asked we want to be able to say, no, no, not this point of view, but that point of view is more interesting. Not because we think it's better, but because we don't know where the solutions are going to come from in that space of possibilities. And we want to explore as creative as possible and as large as possible numbers of solutions. Yeah, Olivier has this example that I think you've cited it to me a few times that stuck with me, which is that um, it, before the Ford Model T came out, um, people in New York City um, were concerned by the rising population and they were predicting that they would have to completely reinvent the infrastructure to accommodate the amount of horse dung by all the horses that were going to be carrying uh -huh. the increasing population around. And so, of course... Some, some projections were like six feet of, of <laughs> horse, horse shit by 20, whatever, 20, 1930 or something. People were, right. you know, people were scared because, of course, with yeah. that came cholera, yeah. all sorts of diseases. Disease. Right. It was a big problem. Yeah. And, and what I think that illustrates is that we could sort of think of two ways about speculating about the future. Or maybe we could say this is the contrast between speculative fiction and inventive fiction, science mm -hmm. fiction, so mm -hmm. to speak, right? Where... 
Um, you take something that's happening now and you extrapolate it by the trend that you're observing in the present. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. maybe a, a great example of that is Margaret Atwood. You know, she's kind of mastered that that particular way of looking at things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think what Olivia and I are going for here is you know, start with, uh, you know, not to be too cheesy, start with the radical future that you're interested in, create it, and then work backwards. How are we going to get there, mm-hmm. right? Propose something and then collapse the possibilities that are available for you now into that vision, right? So mm-hmm. it, it's much more, it's inverted, um, and it kind of breaks the constraints that are available to you at this particular time. So we're really looking for, yeah, that sort of creative element. Yeah. Well, this is going to be an incredible project. Yes. That's the whole point. All right. <laughs> Anything else? You Anything else? I mean, the radical we've fu- what is our radical? <laughs> <laughs> we've we've <laughs> we covered we've covered it so, all. Okay. No, 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 no. Well, well, okay. So there's a few, right? So it's like, why is he doing it? <laughs> <laughs> Ask him why he's doing. It. No, I, c- oh, I can well, tell you. I mean, sort I, I think b- my radical future. What my radical all future right, would all right. be? Yeah. Um, I'm uh, just as a you know, that's <laughs> a caveat because it's an important one. I'm an optimist and I tend to see things through. Uh, you know, I make I make this stupid joke a lot of times and i say you know i don't see the the glass half full of half, or half empty i see the glass pretty full so i pretty st- full yeah yeah i think the glass right. is full most of the time and actually you know if you look at it the glass is full of it's got it's half full of water but at the other half is full of different things right molecules and atoms and you know mm. nothing there's no void in on this planet they're just different forms of things that are there now to me, the radical future is the ability. It's it's not a specific vision. It's much more of a uh, a posture and attitude of always looking for different perspective on things. We tend, especially in academia, we tend to fall back on things we know very well. We tend to look back on, you know, the great the great historians, the great philosophers, the great artists, and these things are good. But we can't just rely on these things. We have to be able to say, can we look at these things from a completely different perspective? And some of it, some of them will be, you know, some of them will be wrong and useless. But once in a while, out of this absolutely radical perspective on something, you'll say, oh my God, this is a solution to a new problem, or this is a solution to a longstanding problem. So if I could ask, how do you go about entertaining radical, forward-thinking, you know, never-explored-before ideas? How do you even approach that? Let me quote our website. You go beyond the, the comfortable, the acknowledged, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, I've already seen. You, you try, and I think that you, you ask the question, why? Why is that? Why is that mm. the solution? Why is, not, why is it not another solution? Why are we doing this? We, we go forward in academia with many, 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 many uh, presumptions. And or hows, but or not house. so much whys. Right, and sometimes you wonder... Why are we starting from that point? Mm-hmm. And it's really difficult. So, for example, Damon and I have discussed a lot about uh, disseminati- disseminating knowledge, right? So we have a very standard way of doing it in academia, you know, publishing and, and research and papers and conferences and, and the like. But then you wonder, why not do something completely different? Why not explore different ways? Can we transmit, can we disseminate knowledge if we do it from absolutely different point of view can we disseminate knowledge more productively can it be more interesting can it be um, better understood or not or maybe not but then Mm -hmm. it'll tell Mm -hmm. us something about the way we do things right now what's good and not so good about the way we do things right now but we but if we assume that the way we do things right now is the only way then we won't be able to see things from a different perspective because structures 
impose patterns of thoughts mm-hmm. and we want to provide we want to go outside if possible once when it's possible it's not always possible just a bit outside of the structure to see new patterns of thoughts so are you going to explore new ways of disseminating information through radical futures yes that's exactly what we're trying to do mm-hmm. hey, damien had this great uh gamification idea gamification mm-hmm. yeah, this idea you had about you know this uh what was it providing future and you had this idea about um oh i had a oh yeah so these are ideas that were we'll see if they happen within the time frame of the mm-hmm. constraint of a semester or not but i had a, i had a couple and one of them was based on an, an experiment that was conducted i think in the max Planck institute um i hope i'm getting that right of human learning so i mean this is you know, ironically enough i'm calling upon the knowledge that i already have <laughs> that i learned in in, in my anthropology classes but there, there's an idea that um, vertical learning is one of the things that differentiates us as a species from, say, other animals. So our ability, vertical learning, is the ability to transmit information across generations, right? And that's what allows us to um, see the kind of exponential inventive growth that we have, you know, say, between the generation born in 1950, the generation born in 1980, and the dot-com boom, etc., right? So there's a way of illustrating this experimentally where you take some sort of counterintuitive software or blender or something like that something that requires a bit of training to understand and you ask people to um, replicate an image that you've pre-rendered and uh, you have a control group which um, repeats this every generation in the same way and then you have another one that repeats this every um, but are allowed to transmit say uh, 30 seconds worth of information about how the program works every time and so what you'll see is that across time this sort of vast abstract designs begins approximating what it's replicating Right. And so this would be a way of transmitting, you know, what I think we understand the future to be, which is a projection of our understanding of what we learned in the past through our cultural capital into what is possible. Right. Um, but through an entirely artistic means. Right. Um, I urge anyone to look up um, the, the guy who, who uh, I think has advertised this experiment the most, uh, Joseph Henrik. Um, they're really quite beautiful because you end up with these mm-hmm. vast tapestries of kind of incomplete diagrams and then on the one hand they kind of scatter in this chaotic pattern that's kind of circumambulating one design and then the other they become more and more ornate and accurate over time right and it, it kind of illustrates i think what we mean by the future in the in, in the learning sense so yeah that was something that that i think would be interesting yeah, it, it, yeah. It, it, what you're talking about reminds me of something that's been bothering me for many many years right so we have these great amazing technologies like virtual reality, which actually has been, you know, the first time I saw virtual reality was actually some sometime in the 1990s. It was already quite interesting, but you look at all this money being poured into it, and you look at this great, great, amazing technology and all the code that's behind it and all the, you know, the man hours behind it, then what do we see most of the time is a, you know, on you know unpleasant or basic representation of reality and mm-hmm. i don't get it reality Why? as we know it using this tool to just right. represent reality as exactly we know it. Mm-hmm. exactly what's the point i don't get it i don't get it okay so you have these video games and i understand the pleasure mm-hmm. playing these things and i understand the the game aspect of it which is what drives a lot, a lot of that but you see these 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 world and it's like okay so medieval world one uh a bit of a <laughs> future type world two with flying cars okay so what's what's the point we've got this amazing tool that could push our, our sensitivity or emotion or aesthetic sense mm-hmm. to 
reach you know the, the places we could never have imagined because this is a sort of a you know this is the intertwining of machines and human beings and both of their imagination and we use this to you know essentially you know pour milk into a glass it's completely it's a completely uninteresting and to me we represent the mundane exactly and to me that's sort of in a nutshell and I've, I've you know i've simplified it a lot but it's a bit what what we do in academia we sort of mm. you know we sort of focus on on, on this not we don't focus on the mundane but the methods we use to look at things are often based on typical more mundane approaches to things mm. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so in your in your scope then how do you do you have ideas of what the future of of academia of education can look like more concretely no, because it's, uh, I'll be honest, no, because it's uh, its very difficult for me to think beyond the mm-hmm. current structure. But the whole point of Radical Futures is to open up, you know, open up, um, open up um, holes in that sort of uh, knowledge and, and assumption of what academia could be. And mm. we're not going to reinvent it tomorrow because it's too, it's too big of a system. It's as if we're, you know, saying we're reinvent the, the healthcare system. It's just too difficult. But you open up holes into it, and then you see a bit of light and say, oh, this could actually be possible. And I'm not a big fan, to be honest with you, I'm not a big fan of large social plan like Plan uh, Quinquennat, uh, the five-year plan and these things. Like a top-down social plan, yeah. Yeah, and one size fits all. Historically, these things have been not only unproductive, they've been you know, very, very, very cruel, and they've killed a lot of human beings. So I'm, I'm more into let's open up the space of possibilities and see what comes out of it. So this is a very grassroots approach to... Yes to change right. exploring different ways of thinking right not like designing a you know entire a master a, a plan huge infrastructure right mm-hmm. exactly yeah yeah and and we know and damien and i have discussed this you know from you know all these great philosophers of the 20th century a lot of them came up with one large system to understand society or the yeah. world and a lot of it is beautiful it makes a lot of sense but it the world is too complex for one plan the world has just got too many variables for one thing to apply to it so our idea is that let's open up and let's see the million different plans that could adapt and how can they flourish in a new way of thinking you know it, it sounds a bit cheesy i gotta admit but really the idea is and i think it answers your original question for me the future education is to be able to provide young people like you with the ability to say, okay, let me think from a different perspective. Well, thank you. Great. Is there anything you'd like to add? Hi, my name is Rebecca. (laughs) (laughs) Rebecca Brasso. Well, we'll we'll record like an intro. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah, we'll have a, we'll have a formal intro. Yeah. A little summary and yeah. But, uh, yeah, I think we really look forward to seeing how this, this, this exciting (laughs) exploratory (laughs) project unfolds and stay tuned everyone. Great. Thanks so much, Rebecca. Thank Thank you. Thank you.